You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone, Tim McMaster here along with our MLB.com Yankees reporter Brian Hoke as the Yankees cling, cling to some playoff hopes, although I'm not sure they're really hoping anymore. Uh, A Yankee loss or Orioles win any point between now and Sunday would mean the Yankees are out of it. But there's still been some exciting moments in this season, and we got to start with Wednesday night. Mark Teixeira walk-off grand slam against the Red Sox and the Yankees keep Boston from celebrating on their field. Now, the Red Sox still celebrated in the visitors' clubhouse, but it wasn't on the field in front of their fans, and just a special moment for Mark Teixeira in his final week of of professional baseball. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was less about keeping the Red Sox off their field, although, of course, that's a bonus, but more the Yankees were just so happy to see Mark Teixeira come away with that moment. I didn't realize... He had never hit a regular season walk-off home run before in his career. He had 409 home runs, and that was the first one that was a walk-off. Obviously, everybody remembers the uh, walk-off against the Twins in the 2009 ALDS, but uh, he had the longest streak, the most home runs, without a regular season walk-off. And that's, that's an amazing stat. And I asked Tex about it last night, and he knew immediately. He said, yeah, for some reason, I don't know, I've hit all my big home runs on the road, extra inning home runs, but I never seem to hit the walk-offs at home. Well, He's got one, and the ball landed in the bullpen. He was holding it at his locker, uh, very happy about it. You know, if it turns out that that's his last home run, he's very happy with it being a walk-off grand slam to beat the Red Sox. And I know he actually said that after the game. He said, man, I hope this is the last one. Now, obviously, he's going to go out over the next weekend and still try to hit some home runs, but certainly if it is the last one, what a special way to do it. Uh, When you look at this Yankees team uh, as a whole through the game, the other big lift they got was from Brian Mitchell. I mean, what an effort he put out on the mound against the Red Sox offense that is arguably the best in baseball. Uh, That's not the Brian Mitchell we've seen much of, but he was great on Wednesday. No, very impressive. And what Joe Girardi was saying was this is the first time the Yankees saw that curveball that Mitchell showed in spring training, and he was dominant. He was lights out. Uh, I think that people probably forget uh, just how good he was in spring training. He had a roster spot locked up. He was going to be on that team. I don't know how many starts he would have made, if he would have pitched in relief or whatnot, uh, but he was going to be on that roster. And so uh, you roll the clock back and you wonder what might have been. Uh, but now, Brian Mitchell, uh, this was a very impressive outing, like you said, against the most potent offense in the majors right now. Um, I mean, to keep the Red Sox in the ballpark, let alone blank them for seven innings. Uh, I think Brian Mitchell showed the Yankees something, and as a lot of people are thinking about next year and rolling the clock forward to next year, I think Brian Mitchell stated a case there. That's a game you can remember and, and point to and say, we think about that guy for being in the rotation or at least having a, uh, a big spot on this team next year. A lot of players, when they're getting close to the ends of their careers, will will send a letter out to their home fans kind of saying, thank you for for everything you did during my career. David Ortiz this week takes a different path, and he writes a letter to Yankee fans, and they post it around the city. Ortiz writing, 
The day you thought would never come is almost here. Let's make it one to remember. Let's do what we've always done. Let's show the world how much we love our cities and teams and how much we love this game. Let's make September 29th mean something. We share too much history to leave the field as enemies, but I'll always res- respect you as a rival. I thought that was pretty cool. Cool. Now, it may have been his marketing people that came up with the idea, but still kind of a neat thing. And when you think of Red Sox and the Yankees rivalry, until David Ortiz's arrival in the early 2000s, let's be honest, it was pretty one-sided. And I don't think there was ever a Red Sox player that Yankees fans felt that much I don't want, you know, that much hatred for as an opposing player because the Yankees always won in the series. So David Ortiz kind of has a unique position in this rivalry. Yeah, I don't think too many Yankee fans are going to be shedding tears that they're going (laughs) to see David Ortiz for the final time tonight. But, yeah, no, there's got to be a grudging respect there. I think that uh, Brian Cashman was talking on the field, and he said, this is a guy they never figured out how to get out. They could never figure out how to send him back to the dugout four times in a night. You know, he... Obviously, you look at the career numbers against the Yankees, they are gaudy. I, he has been a thorn in the Yankee fan's side uh, for many, many years. I, yeah, you go back to the, the really great years of the rivalry, 03, 04. I mean, you did not want to see David Ortiz at the plate, and I think you could talk to pretty much any Yankee pitcher. I know there's a few who had success against him, Mike Bucina comes to mind, but uh, by and large, Yankee pitchers just never really could figure out what to do with David Ortiz. So I think... Uh, you're seeing the end of an era here. Uh, I think most of the, those guys from when the rivalry was really, really good, and, and it's always been pretty good, but, I mean, that was otherworldly. I see 3 4 Those were two teams that did not like each other. They were very good. They went head-to-head every night. Uh, I mean, they were pretty evenly matched, so they had some great battles, and David Ortiz was right in the middle of that. So I think that Yankee fans, I don't expect them to, to give him a standing ovation and, and – uh, and send him off lovingly tonight. But I think you got to applaud a little bit and, and just say you tip your cap the same way the Red Sox fans did for Mariano Rivera, the, the way they did for Derek Jeter. Uh, they didn't love those players, but they respected them. And, and honestly, they were probably pretty happy to see them go. And I think there's going to be a lot of mixed feelings like that for Yankee fans tonight. Yeah, maybe a little golf clap before the game. I don't think you get any cheering during the game for, for David Ortiz. Um, back, I don't think so. <laughs> back to this Yankees team and a little bit of history this week. Didi Gregorius and Starlin Castro, Brian, both hit 20 home runs this season. They're the first Yankees double play combination to ever do that, which amazed me because I immediately thought Jeter's hit 20 before and he played alongside Cano and Soriano. It had to have happened, but it hadn't. That's the first time. Kind of neat. Pretty amazing, yeah. I was really surprised about that, too. I had to go double-check the numbers, but... Uh, yeah, I think that what surprised me more this year is Didi, not Castro so much, because I figured that Castro, even being a right-handed hitter, coming to Yankee Stadium, the dimensions were going to help him a little bit. This is a guy who'd had 15, 16 home runs at Wrigley Field while playing for the Cubs. Uh, and Castro, as as we talked about, I think 15 of his home runs of his 21 at coming Yankee Stadium. So he, he's a guy who really loves hitting in the Bronx. But I think you've seen Didi Gregorius take his game to another level this year, and that's you don't have to roll the clock back very far to, to remember there were a lot of questions about him, whether he could face left-handed pitching. Uh, he's answered that question very well. I, I think he's developed into a really strong all-around player. And, you know, he's, he's got a line-drive, gap-to-gap approach. I was talking to him, and he says he still doesn't consider himself a power hitter. There's there's really no amount of home runs that will make him do that because he's really just trying to stay gap-to-gap, stay in the middle of the field, drive the ball somewhere. 
but he's doing it with a lot more consistency and a lot more authority this year. And I think when you look at the Yankees in 2016 and you think about all the things that, that went wrong and all the things that went right, uh, Didi Gregorius is clearly going to be one of the things that went very right for this team. Um, they, they're very solid up the middle, and I think Castro and Gregorius are, are evidence of that. One more note for you, Brian. Uh, CC Sabathio makes his final start of the season on Thursday night. His contract has vested for 2017, so he'll be back with this Yankees team. Um, and they probably feel pretty good about that, considering as a whole, when you take his 2016 season, he looks like a guy that will at least be able to contribute again in a year. Yeah, I, I, I'm not surprised that he made it back. I, I am surprised at how good the Yankees must feel about that because they, there were so many questions about CC coming into this season. And uh, they, remember, he was battling for the number five spot with Ivan Nova. And uh, there was no sure thing. It was almost like CC was given the job. And a lot of people thought it was because more to do with his contract rather than what he did in spring training. But he had a couple of really good runs this year. Uh, he, he's been on one of late. I, I know he hasn't been rewarded with victories of late, but uh, he fits really well. He fits really well in that game at Toronto. You see what he does tonight against the Red Sox. That's another good test for him. And uh, yeah, I, I think he wants to continue pitching beyond this year, beyond next year. Uh, so I think CeCe's telling you there's more in the tank. And, you know, you've heard that from other guys before. I mean, Alex Rodriguez said he wanted to – play through 2017. Mark Teixeira this spring said he wanted to play five more years. We, we see how that turned out. There's no guarantees with CC. He's got a lot of miles on that left arm, but uh, he has reinvented himself uh, very well, I think, almost like a, a left-handed Mike Messina, and that's the second time I think I brought up Messina in this phone call, so that's, <laughs> uh, that might be a, a record for 2016. But anyway, uh, CC has shown the Yankees a lot. Uh, he's a leader in that clubhouse, and uh, uh, you've got him coming back under contract for next year. Uh, I think that puts the Yankees in a pretty good position where they know they can slot uh, a proven veteran at the back end of the rotation and feel pretty good about it. All right, great stuff, Brian. This has been MLB.com Extras, our Yankees edition for Brian Hoke. I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next week. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.